Dun, 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 I'll get you, my you pretty. And your little dog, too. Welcome. Welcome. That's our intro for today. Um, That was beautiful, Jared. Thank you so much. I've been practicing and working on it for quite some time now. Yeah. All those uh, high school theater, high school drama, yes, college and the drama, extracurricular, and the extra acting classes that mm-hmm. I got, especially when we go to the hotels in downtown Orlando, and they were looking for the latest and greatest new kid actors, and you know, you sit in that lobby, you fill out mm-hmm. that questionnaire, and you know, when he's like, if you get the ace, it means you. <laughs> can come on back and see me for another audition. <laughs> Did they use playing cards? They used actual playing cards. Really? Yes, ma'am. Did you ever get the ace? What do you think? I think you're sitting here with me, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> the answer is, that answer is correct. <laughs> oh, well, I'd give you the ace. Yeah, the bastards. They said I needed more um, community theater because they didn't really? take high school theater seriously. Oh, oh, I see. So they wanted you to do like yeah. outside of school They would want theater. you to like pay for theater. To show that you're ah. serious, and it's like, well, with what money? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Oh. Maybe if they gave you the ace, you'd have money to pay for it. Exactly. I would definitely take classes after I had a commercial <laughs> under my belt. Okay. okay, so today we we're at the end of our series. We've been through so many rooms. We've had so yeah. many adventures, mm-hmm. and we're gonna have one more before we set off. Yeah, into- yeah. We're we're going in two rooms i mean there's technically three more sort of well one's a transition fantasia is yeah. a transitional yeah it's a room. transitional room but we're lumping yeah. her in yeah she deserves to be talked about um so let's get in that one first okay and then we yeah. can talk about your wicked witch <laughs> um okay so fantasia let's go through the ride a little bit so we've gone through the whole ride now we're going into this like dark transitional room where there's just a bunch of wind, um, and then you see the Sorcerer's Apprentice playing, and the wind is supposed to be from the Sorcerer's Apprentice, and there's the water swirling around. But originally, it was actually going to be the um, tornado from the Wizard of Oz. Oh wow! I forgot why, but they couldn't do it. I think they couldn't they couldn't get the rights to the footage or something. They only had certain rights for certain bits and pieces. And they could only have a certain amount of time. And I think maybe that kicked them over the time or something like that. Okay. Yeah. It's <sighs> it's a crazy copyright thing. So they had, but they had like the room built, which is why when you look at the screen, there's like a frame around the screen that kind of looks like a tornado. It's okay. not like a square. Screen. I never noticed that. Yeah. There's like shapes um, because it was going to be the tornado, but they had to figure out something to do that wasn't the Wizard of Oz. So they threw in Fantasia because it's Disney and they owned it. Yep. Well, I'm glad they did. It's a, it's a decent addition. Me too. I love Fantasia. Um, and I think it's a really important historical movie. I was really excited to watch it with you. I was curious to see what's... Well, first, okay, our brief recap that I always forget to do. Released in 1940. Um, it was Disney's, I believe, their third animated feature. And all it is really is a collection of shorts that sets a classical music. Um, kind of like a bunch of little music videos but traditionally animated and they're beautiful and each one is completely different and unique and I love them. I love some more than others, but we'll get into that. But Jared, what did you think? I mean, I absolutely loved it. The animation was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. If you really are a Disney fan, then you need to check out this movie. Like, and a hesitation I had going into it was kind of like, oh, is there really going to be like a plot or is there going to be like a fun story? And each individual one has enough of a story that you that they wrap up at the end of each musical number and it's like more than fine. And yeah. you should just go in looking to appreciate just like the animation. That's yeah. enough to I enjoy. think that gets a lot of people that they want like a plot and it this movie doesn't have that. It's very unique in that way. Um, I think people get bored with it. I know growing up when I was a kid I had my favorites and I would kind of walk away from the TV when a non-favorite was on and then come back for a good one. Right, which is totally fine and very doable to do. Yeah, and the movie's over two hours long, so, like, you can do that a few times and you'll still see a full movie. <laughs> right, yeah, I was like, you can take your time Yeah. with this one. Yeah. Um. So, a little bit of history of the movie, just quick. Um, it kind of was birthed from the Silly Symphonies that they used to do, um, and Walt loved doing those, and it really gave the artists a chance to kind of spread their wings and try things out. And 
Walt Disney had like a chance meeting with Leopold Stokowski, who was the conductor in the movie in Fantasia. Okay. And he was like one of the world's most famous conductors. Um, and it was Stokowski, I think that's how you say it. <laughs> that's how I heard people <laughs> pronouncing it, but I always want to like pronounce the W as a V, like right. Stokowski, but I yes. don't think that's it. It's Stokowski. I think. <laughs> um, it was him that convinced Walt to kind of make it a whole movie, and I think he actually did it for free. He did all the conducting for free because no. he was so passionate about it. Um, so so they went with it, and Walt had had this idea. He wanted to bring Mickey back because in the 30s, Mickey had kind of declined in popularity, and Walt wanted to really bring him back. Um so he came up with the short of The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is what he was pitching to Stokowski when he said, make it longer, let's do more. Um, and a fun fact about Mickey is this was the first time that Mickey was designed with pupils. Because you know that his design has gone through a lot of different things. Um, and this wasn't the first time we saw him with pupils. Like some shorts were put out before Fantasia was released, but it was the first time he was designed in a more modern way because they wanted to bring him back for audiences. Okay. Cool. Which is interesting because watching this movie, one of the things that I take away from it is how Mickey has endured like so long as a character, but I guess he hasn't endured like I thought he did because they had to, yeah, you know, reinvent him a little bit in the 30s. Well, maybe that's also... I mean, that also could be a testament of how he is still so relevant today. Mm-hmm. Is that he does go through many... They right. always update him. Yeah, yeah, it was something necessary. Um, So the thing I love most about Fantasia is just the art of it. I think it's just such an appreciation. It's just like art for art's sake, which I love. And you can see the different artists having fun and experimenting with things. There's like pastels in there. There's actually a lot of special effects. There's even some live action footage that they like put animation over it. Um, Especially when the conductor is meeting with um, Well, I just mean in the animated scenes. There's live action footage that they like animate over. So like the lava in like the dinosaur stuff, there's like they filmed like porridge or something and then animate over that but like still use that footage incorporated in it. The smoke that's coming out of the lava is actually paint cans turned upside down in water and then the paint kind of kind of wafts out and it looks like smoke and then they turned it upside down. So they did a lot oh, of like wow. really cool special effects. Um, but I don't think anyone could appreciate that when it was released. No. It was re- so it was released as a road show, which is something that they used to do in old Hollywood with like their big tentpole movies. Um, and what it was was they would go around and tour the movie. And make it more of a big spectacle, and you'd get like a program with it. You'd pay a little bit extra. There might be some additional footage. People would dress up for it, and it was kind of before the big release of the movie to um, get buzz for it. And I think the last movie that did it that I actually went to was The Hateful Eight, Quentin Tarantino's okay. movie, and they actually did a roadshow version. And like I have my Thank program you. from it, and I don't know if it was exactly as it was back in the day because roadshows have fallen apart. Um, but yeah, Fantasia was released that way with something called Fantasound, which was, <laughs> it was this big, like, way of, I know, but it was like this new way of recording sound that Walt Disney and his, like, technical team came up with just for Fantasia because they wanted to release it in the best way possible so that you felt like you were there with the orchestra. That's cool. So I'm sure it was incredible, but the audiences just couldn't wrap their brains around what it was. And so also, is it like the beginning of surround sound? It, it was hard for me to understand the technicality of it. Um, it did sound a little bit like that. It wasn't, instead of just the sound being behind the screen, they would set things up. So it was kind of more like surround sound. Um, that's what it sounded like, at least. But yeah, the Fantasia didn't do really well at the box office. But also, like, the war had just started over in Europe, so that cut out like 40% of what it could possibly have made. I don't even know if they were able to release it everywhere. That makes sense. So, yeah. So it's kind of sad um, because Walt really wanted to keep them going and wanted to do more, but they couldn't. Unfortunate. Yeah. So did you have a favorite? I did. It's a tie between the fawns and the unicorns. The centaur one? The centaur. Okay. That centaur yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the one with um, 
Cherubog. Oh, with Cherubog at the end? Okay. Yeah, that one was, yeah, like, yeah, kind of yeah. cool. I thought that one was going to go on for longer. That's, yeah. like, probably, like, my only thing. That one could have been longer. I always forget that it goes into Ave Maria, because it's one of my favorites, too. And every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, it's so short. And then Ave Maria is beautiful. But I'm like, bring back the devil. Yeah, bring him back. <laughs> yeah, he's Let so him, cool. like, tear shit up. Yes. He's doing great. Everyone's having a blast right now. Yeah, proof that Disney can go dark, because everyone talks about how Disney is all squeaky smiles and like which is yeah ridiculous I mean like when someone ever says that I discount them immediately because I'm like you're yeah. not a true Disney fan no they're like erect nipples in Fantasia oh yeah if you look closely actually they come right up to the camera you don't have to look close <laughs> <laughs> they sit right in front of you I forgot was the elephant and the alligator one the same one as the centaur one no no so they're different so those are my top three me too those are my down. favorites yeah. yeah I really liked the what's the hippo one called I want to say it's something like Dance of the Flowers. Okay. Let me see. Yeah, just because, like, that one was amazing because the animators did such a great job because in this scene you have, like, these hippos and ostriches is doing ballerina, and mm-hmm. then you also have these crocodiles. I want to say they're crocodiles because their um, snouts are longer. Okay, Florida boy. You know, that's just how I know the difference. Everyone calls them alligators, but you're probably right. It's they're probably not, a misnomer. They're not, like, fat. Yeah, crocodiles oh, okay. are, like, leaner. Yeah. And, like, lo- like longer. They can dance better. And they can dance better. Yeah. As they're more agile. Yeah. Movie. Yeah, it, it was really cool to even see the, the crocodiles doing, like, this modern contemporary style of dance. Mm-hmm. And they did such a good job of, like, um, what's the word called when you, like, humanize Person? No, not personify. Yeah. Um... Anthropomorphize. Anthropomorphize. Yes, anthropomorphize. Is that a word? I I know it's anthropomorphic is when, like, an animal is drawn, like, Bojack Horseman is drawn like a person. Yes, they did a great job in that area. Because the way, and the animators were really smart to use the creature's bodies Mm -hmm. to, it was just, like, beautiful. You just, like, with the capes and everything... It was really cool. And they looked like actual dance partners. I, like, forgot they were animals. Yeah, you kind of... That's how realistic do. it is. Like, that's how well animated they are, is, like, the weight and the way that they move, it's... You almost think that it's just people in costumes. Um, it's really beautiful. And then I didn't notice... It had to be pointed out to me online that, like, the lighting in the background goes from early morning to, like, evening. Interesting. Just in that segment? Just or in that the segment. Whole show or the movie? No, just in that segment. Oh, okay. So, like, it starts with the ostrich, and she's waking up, and it's kind of like dawn. And when we get to the hippo, the sun is, like, right above her, so all her shadows are pretty harsh. And then the crocodiles are at night. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. I didn't notice that. A million times I've seen this movie, I've never noticed that. <laughs> but it's just, like, I'm sure subconsciously I've noticed it. Um, yeah, that's that's one of my favorites, too. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I would definitely recommend watching it with someone. I think this... I, yeah. I would have a hard time watching this by myself. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've sat down to watch it all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces, and I had it on VHS when I was a kid, and I know I would turn it on, but I think I would probably fast forward to, like, my favorite parts. Mm-hmm. Um, which I still zone out a little bit in a couple <laughs> of the ones that are not as interesting to me. Right. Um... But I'm, I'm amazed, too, how they can come up with new things to show because you ha- you can take something like the Nutcracker Suite and it's really hard to hear that music and not picture, like, the Nutcracker Ballet and the way that they took it and they have fairies and, like, those dancing mushrooms and, like, all the nature all the and all the so seasons. Cute. Like, that's another one of my favorite ones and I love... It, it'd be very hard for me to hear that piece of music and think of some... Have to divorce myself from, like, what I usually think of and come up with something new. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, my only experience with Fantasia before this movie was the golf course. Oh, that's <laughs> it, right. I've never golfed World. the golf course. It's a lot of fun. It's you said like it has, a, like, the hippos? Yeah, the hippo is, like, a big... has her own hole. Good for her. She yeah. deserves it. She's dancing atop there, <laughs> and she's the happiest she's ever I've ever seen her. Good. <laughs> yeah, Um. so... I know you said that Walt wanted to make this just for, like, the art of, like, making this movie. Was there, like, any other... Well, I think he thought it was going to be good. He really wanted to bring Mickey back. So Stokowski was the one that kind of, according to the story that Walt Disney would tell, um, 
he was the one that kind of convinced him to do more because he wanted to do more. Yeah. Um, and then Walt let his artists experiment a little bit too with a lot of it. Um, but I, I don't know if Walt Disney went into it consciously thinking, oh my gosh, I want to make an art house picture or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> I think he really thought, I love this art. Other people might love this art. You know, animation was so new. It was their third movie. They didn't really know what to bank on that's crazy yet. it's only their third movie that animation was like so amazing it's like so some beautiful. better than any of some even better than their later films yeah yeah i feel like if you were to put it in a gallery like it would play really well like if you had it set up and like each one set up in a gallery with like the right speakers i feel like just to highlight the fact that it is supposed to be viewed as art slash entertainment not just like a big spectacle Mm -hmm. i think that would be a good thing yeah and fantasia 2000 i think did a little bit better i think i went to go see fantasia 2000 (laughs) i saw it in imax it was really incredible but yeah that's the way you gotta do it that's what they did too is they like put it in the new imax was getting really big so they put it in there and then they knew how to market it a little bit better and i think people understood more going into it like what to expect because Mm -hmm. people went into it because another thing they were talking about is um walt wanted to make something that what he wanted he didn't want animation to be known for just kids so he wanted to make something that would prove that it the um the medium could be used as a way to entertain all ages Mm-hmm. But people went into it thinking, oh, it's animated. It's just for kids. And like the kids, I'm sure, got kind of bored. If you bring really little kids in and there's no nothing flashy, you have to have some patience to get through it. So I think that's another reason why it didn't do so well. I see. That's funny. I feel like they're still having that fight with animation today. Yeah, they which are. Which is ridiculous. It's either like people, th- there's either adult animation or people think it's for kids. It's really hard for adults to think of themselves going into like an animated movie and finding it entertaining but i think our generation is stopping that i think millennials are because we're going into toy story 4 and all of these movies that are like the family movies but you go into the theater and it's just a bunch of millennials it is (laughs) and it's very much just like yeah we don't care that yeah i think isaac if i like animation then i'm gonna then i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch it yeah and I can appreciate it as an art medium as well. Right. Well, it's also you can tell stories that you really can't tell, like live action. Like I would mm-hmm. say, like Steven Universe, like in the Crystal Gems. Like, yeah. That's a very like the, I feel like that kind of straddles like adult and kid animation. I, I yeah. think it's good for our age group. There are some episodes I will say that are very filler and that I can't even watch. That's what I've heard. Like, yeah. Ugh. But like when they're like going towards like the overall plot, like mm-hmm. any episode that deals with that, that's like always a good episode. Yeah. Um, so another interesting thing, because we're talking so much about the art, is Salvador Dali was actually supposed to be involved with this. Oh my gosh, I can see that collab Mm -hmm. of the century, sis. I know, well they kind of did, like they were talking about it, that he and Walt Disney had met a lot, they were big fans of each other, um, and Salvador Dali had done work for Fantasia, and I'm not sure why, but it didn't end up in the final but they I think in like 2006 maybe a little bit later they actually did finish it and the short is called Destino and it's online it's okay. really pretty um and you can it's 1000% Salvador Dali if I'll you check watch that it out. we'll tweet it for you guys <laughs> yeah we'll yeah okay is that all you got for our little um, I have some fun facts yay Just we love good fun facts fun facts <laughs> with Carolyn Wright <laughs> come on down home. make sure you're right <laughs> That's right. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so just a few. Just the, the most exciting ones that I found. The first one is that Bella Lugosi was a model for Chernabog. Do you know who Bella Lugosi is? No, I do not. He's Please inform Dracula. Us. The original, ah, like, 1931 Dracula. Mm-hmm. Works, sis. Yeah, yeah. And you can kind of see it when you're when you're watching it. Um, this is also selected by the Vatican as on their list of the 45 great films like the Vatican I don't know why it's 45 and I like I googled this one too I fact checked this one because I got it from IMDB and I was like 
One, why is the Vatican doing this? Two, why is it only 45 movies? And I'm not sure why it's only 45. But they came out with a list of 45 great films, and Fantasia is on there with a whole bunch of other religious movies. And some non-religious. It was actually a very interesting list. It's kind of all over the place. I'm not sure what they were thinking. Okay, I'll take, yeah, I won't um, and then the last one was that the Disney company actually owns a character called Fantasia. And she's a Marvel comic book character that was introduced in 1989 and has also appeared under the name Phantasma. And she's a sorceress, and her name might have been chosen in reference to the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, and because she's a Marvel character, Fantasia is currently owned by Disney. And I want her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Bring her. I'm pitching it now. Like, you have Doctor Strange. You can have Fantasia. Is she a superhero or a supervillain? Oh. I don't know. I mean, I think... I don't know. I was thinking she's a superhero, but she could be a really cool villain. Yeah. 1989. You never know. Also, they have a wine, sort of. Technically, there's a wine called Fantasia out there. Um... Walt Disney's daughter owned a vineyard in Napa with her husband. And I've been there. It's really good. They have great wine. It's called Silverado Wines. Like, they don't... It's not called Disney or anything. Like, they kind of divorced themselves from it. They didn't want to... Use Use... You know, they didn't want to capitalize on it. They just... Her and her husband bought this vineyard up in Napa. They did their own thing. They have really good wine. And there's a bottle there. And when I went, I was like, is this called Fantasia? And they were like, no, it's called Fantasia. So that's what I was told. That is how you pronounce Fantasia. it. But it's very, very good wine. And it is it's it is Fantasia. It's Fantasia. Okay. I kinda of looked at him and I was like, okay, Fantasia. Like, give me the real like I'm not gonna go crazy. But it might be that like it's a nod to it, but they may have not wanted to one hundred percent call something Fantasia. Yeah. Um Yeah, so that's that's what I have for Fantasia. Lovely. Well, now on to the last room <laughs> yes. in the... Well, I get... Yes, I would say I this mean, is the last room. The very last room has one of the best movie montages ever. Ever, ever, ever. It's literally inspiring. <laughs> it's like, so good. Like, I, I cry when I watch it. <laughs> I think we talked about it in the first we episode of this did. series. Because yeah. it's so good. No, it's... Because so, it, it's, it's so cute and it's very much the spirit of this podcast. Yeah. Is really like what has like this podcast is inspired by the feeling you get when you watch this movie montage. Yeah, and both of us grew up going there from the time we were babies, yeah. watching that movie montage. Yeah, it's just it's so good. Our, and I know we've tweeted out the right, so you guys have seen it by now. Did we? I think I. I don't think I did. You? I didn't. I didn't. Okay, never mind me. <laughs> well, oh, because well. all of the all of the videos were like fan videos that's right if there was like a an actual and i don't want anyone to like i don't want them to get in trouble and have to take it down yeah but there are a bunch that you could yeah if you guys, but yeah it, it's a really good movie montage but the last room is the wizard of oz <laughs> and for you guys that do not know the wizard of oz is a movie about dorothy gale <laughs> who is swept away from a farm in kansas to a magical land called oz in a tornado and embarks on a quest with her newfound friends to see the wizard who can help her return home to Kansas and help her friends as well. Honey. It sounds great. It's, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, 1939, mm-hmm. director Victor Fleming and George Cukor, mm-hmm. uncredited. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was some drama there. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. George Cukor was like the first director, and then I forget why he like got fired or something, and then Victor Fleming was brought on. Sucks, suck. It's also the director of Gone with the Wind. Ooh. I think. Oh, God, no. <laughs> but yeah, so this movie is literally American pop culture um, excellence. Yeah. It's literally still being referred to as this to this day. I feel like we could talk about The Wizard of Oz forever, but... Yeah, I'm sure there could be a whole podcast series on The Wizard of Oz. There really could. The way that people, as I was doing research, people are still analyzing it and still going with the comb through it. Which is funny to me because, like, I like The Wizard of Oz, but I've never felt like it is the greatest movie ever made. It, yeah. It's It's almost a classic because it's considered a classic. You know? Right. (laughs) It's 
it's definitely, um, what's the word I was going to say? It, yes, like the, for which it stands on, the podium, the podium that we yeah. all put it under, it's very much in question. It's like, it was just the first to do a lot of things and make people feel a certain, like, kind yeah. of way. And it's just always, yeah, it gets referenced to. Mm-hmm. I think it's also, it's a, since it's based off of a book that was based off of the time in, like, the late 1800s, early 1900s, it's um, still such, like, so politically charged that... Yeah, but you don't get that watching the movie. Like, you have you to You don't, but look I think you, there's, like, some subconscious that... Yes, yeah. ...must be the click with, mo- like, of more than, like, a group of people. Yeah. I know a lot of people that don't like this movie. Really? Mm-hmm. What are their names the and more- addresses? <laughs> No, like, the more I talk to people, I'll mention it, and they'll just be like, they'll either say, like, oh, I've never seen it, even though they know all of the references, a lot of people have never sat down to watch it all the way through, or they'll, if they saw it when they were older, they won't really like it that much. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I've always been obsessed with this movie, and I don't know why. Like, I thought it was just because I was gay. But, <laughs> and, it, and it might be. I might just be, like... It's those shoes. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Sorry, you threw a gay stereotype in there. I, I, I kind of capitalize on I did. it. <laughs> um, actually, that's like one of my favorite lines. It's from The Wiz. And mm-hmm. as you guys yeah. know, okay, so like, yes, the ruby shoes are iconic, but we all know that they weren't supposed to be red. Right. They're the all books, silver. They're mm-hmm. And we'll get to why they're silver later on. But um, in The Wiz, in the 1980s mm-hmm. version, I love like, The Wiz. <laughs> okay, good. I, okay, <laughs> I, love yes, I love The Wiz. Yeah. There's this line that is said in the trailer or like even the movie, mm-hmm. and it's like this guy, he's not the wizard, it's like some guy in Emerald City, but he was mm-hmm. like, bring up the wand and the silver slippers. And <laughs> I, I don't know, I just love that line yeah. so much. Even it's like, I think it's like even like in the trailer, because then it goes off into this like music, and okay. it's just very much like, it's very much like, cool, cool, ooh, mm-hmm. uh, ksh, ksh, ksh. like, attitude, like, bring up that bitch. It's very yeah. much like, bring up that bitch yeah. and the silver slippers. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, The Wizard of Oz, I think, also, it just has, like, influenced a lot of other, like, spinoffs and other things yeah. as well. Like, like Todrick Hall, one of my favorite performers, mm-hmm. based a whole visual album off of. It's so good. Yeah, yeah I, I think there, it's, it's really funny, too, because, like, I was, when, you, I even, like, learned about The Wizard of Oz in one of my history classes. Like, it comes up in, like, the textbook. Mm because of like what the characters represent at that time yeah which i'm really excited to learn about because i've heard a little bit of that like the allegory of it but i've never like delved into it okay let's just dive into it right now then yeah okay yeah um because it's there's really something funny that i like stumbled upon Mm -hmm. that will lead into my point as well so we have the main characters we have dorothy who is this farm girl in kansas with her dog toto and then she meets um, when she lands in Kansas from this like tornado, we have the iconic line, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's also another reason why it's like gone so long. Like some of the th- like quotable lines just like have stuck through our time. Yeah. And everyone keeps saying them. So <laughs> that's why like, I'll be amazed how many people have not seen this movie, but still know all of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so she meets, oh, she meets, she lands in like this munchkin town. She meets Glinda the Good Witch and then she starts on this journey down the yellow brick road and now she's on this journey she meets a scarecrow a tin man and a lion mm-hmm. and they all want certain things that they're lacking like the scarecrow he's lacking a brain so he like wants this brain um the tin man lacks a heart and then the lion lacks courage and they all represent different kinds of people in america at that time so dorothy at the the late 1800s l- yes okay mm-hmm. early 19 is it like the industrial revolution or something um well, let me think. Well, it's all about the gold standard. Right. So, so, okay. So the yellow brick road represents the golden standard. So like this is like everyone was like really relying on gold and like mm-hmm. they were like that was like the main source of like like the backbone of this economy was like the value of gold. Right. That's and so funny. We were just talking about that. We and were. How <laughs> millennials are ruining gold because <laughs> we don't well, care. Look what you got. <laughs> um, so. Dorothy represents the average American, mm-hmm. just like like citizens, and like she's longing for this home. So they kind of also represent. Like it's really funny how Americans like see themselves 
it's like loyal, hardworking, and like all these like things yeah. that you know. Yes, we've just like broke. We're young, and we've just like broken off from like Britain, and it was yeah. just like all yeah. The, you have like the scholar, you have the farmer, you have the soldier, kind yeah. of. And that's like basically it. Yeah. So the scarecrow represents the farmers in okay. America in the West. So okay. they are being controlled though by bankers in the East. Mm-hmm. So. So the farmers don't like the gold standard because they're not. It's funny because they're farming out where like most of the gold is mined, but they're not seeing like the right. benefits of it. Mm-hmm. And so then you have the yeah. So they're being controlled by the bankers, so they're not having a good time right now. They're kind right. of like, what the fuck? And then you have the Tin Man, which represents the indus- the industrial workers okay. in the East. And so what also happened at the end of the 1800s is there was an 18% um, unemployment rate because people that were working in the factories were getting injured and like weren't being able to work. And so it was really putting a lot of people out of work because okay. people weren't taking the factory workers weren't being taken care of. Oh. And then the lion actually represents a specific politician. Really? And, yes. And his name is William Jean Bagger. I should I should get this right before I just <laughs> say it. Stakowski. Stakowski. <laughs> okay. And then the lion represents William Jennings Bryan. Oh. Yes. I know that name. Oh, okay, yes. So I he, don't know why I know that name. I just don't He know. was a politician that was very vocal. Okay. But didn't follow through, I guess, on a lot of oh. what he would say. So he's a lot of talk. So he's a politician. Yeah, very much. Yeah, really yeah, a politician. Yeah, he's a standard politician. He was in charge of the po- of the pupilist party, populism, Populous. the populism party, okay. which was just like you a party that was trying to reach out to the average American and trying to get silver incorporated into the gold standard. Okay. So. That's why Dorothy's shoes are oh. silver, because as she's walking across the golden, the yellow brick road, which represents mm-hmm. the gold standard, to the Emerald City, which represents, I'm going to let you take a stab at it, what do you think that represents? Is it money? Like dollar bills? Sort of. Wait. Well, it's it's an actual place. It's supposed to look, oh, it's supposed to represent oh. an actual place in America. I mean, is it like Washington, D.C.? Ding, ding, okay. ding. We have a winner. <laughs> right, yes, it's supposed right. to represent Washington, D.C. Nice. And the wizard is supposed to represent the government. Like okay. this man behind the curtain pulling all the shots that like no one ever sees. Is there, is it, does it go deeper than that where it's like the wizard is like the president and then the man behind the curtain is like the government? Yes. Or something? Okay. Mm-hmm. Very much like that. And you're right where the Emerald City, like the green is supposed to be like dollar bills. Because, Just, like, wealth. Right. Yeah. And when Dorothy... Dorothy doesn't do it in The Wizard of Oz, but in The Wiz and in the book, mm-hmm. she puts on these color-tinted glasses. So in the book, she wears these green-tinted glasses, which, like, shows, like, wealth. Like, everything is okay. covered is in that wealth. Is that to, like... So she can assimilate, or is that so she can see it differently? It's so that... I think it's a little bit of both. Like, okay. they're trying to force her to assimilate by f- making her be like, oh, this is what it looks like. Okay. And it's like, not, because you're wearing glasses. But in the movie, they dye her eyes to match her gown. In the movie? There's that line when she's singing, and she's like, can you dye my eyes to match my gown? Oh, my like, Yeah. <laughs> I did not... <laughs> I did not catch that. Yeah, it's when it's when she's getting the, like, makeover. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. I don't think they oh, actually okay. change her eye color. Okay, good. Because they already like, do. Yeah, that's, like, kind of scary. Oh, no, they don't. Are they, do she have brown eyes? I don't know. Yeah, so, yeah, so most of the characters represent, like, the different social groups, and then it can get a little crazier, and you can connect things, because, mm-hmm. like, the witches are supposed to represent money as well, because that's why they're green. And then okay. they're supposed to represent, like, the bank, like, the one in the East, the Wicked Witch of the East who mm-hmm. dies, that Dorothy kills, is, like, the bankers and the people who controlled, like, the scarecrows. Okay, So, right. like, there's that, and then... The Wicked Witch of the West also represents... Oh, and that's why... Sorry, let's go back to the East. Wicked Witch of the East. She steals the Tin Man's heart. Oh, she does? Yes. Because he... And so that's why he's... So that represents that, like, how the um, bankers have taken away, like, the compassion or, like, the willingness of, like, the industrial workers and, like, their drive and ambition because they're just working in these factories and, like, no one's taking care of them, so... Wow, this yeah. is even deeper than I thought it was. Yeah, and then the Wicked Witch of the West was supposed to represent kind of like the camp runners and the bankers in the West because they were like 
controlling Asian immigrants and like forcing oh, them to yeah. do work and shit. So it's oh, yeah. very dark and you can keep going. There's, and there was so many different allegories I found. There's like seven. So that's just one allegory. That's just like one way to look oh. at the movie. There's like six other ways that people have interpreted. The okay. But that Oz. one is, that was like L. Frank Bob's intent, right? Yes. That allegory? Mm-hmm. Okay. His, his main intent was, like, the one with the characters, like, Dorothy the Scarecrow. Like, the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Carly Lyon, deaf, 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 represent yeah. all of those things. When we get into, like, the witches, and, like, that can get a little bit crazier. That's not, like, maybe necessarily what Frank was, like, going for. Okay. But that's just, like, how people have attached things to it. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Yep, yeah, that was definitely um, his main point, for sure, was to, like, talk about, like, how the gold standard was ruining the American economy. Yeah. And that they needed to introduce the silver okay. to, like, help outweigh it or, like, do something different. Um, but now so, I feel like we're, like, in a different place altogether. Yes. Like, I don't even understand how we can have an economy based off of the value of gold or silver when I don't value either of those things. Right, exactly. It's kind of mind-boggling, especially yeah. in this day and age. Well, in Oz, mm-hmm. it, stand, it stands for ounce as well. Like, OZ is oh. the abbreviation for ounce. So, okay. yeah, it's like the land of well, Oz. How did I not see that? <laughs> <laughs> now I feel dumb. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there's all those. So some other fun allegories mm-hmm. that there is, there's the religious ones. So <gasps> Christians, of course, Ooh, had to jump on, on me, this on me. and take things for their own. So... They think it's an allegory for faith, so okay. the Yellow Brick Road is the path to enlightenment, okay. with characters encountering a variety of sins and temptations along the way towards the Emerald City, which is, like, heaven. Right. Trees throwing apples at you. Adam and Eve. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> and then the Wicked Witch is killed with water, suggesting a... Baptism? Yes, ma'am. Woo! Oh my gosh, Carolyn is killing my little game <laughs> I show. know my religious allegories. <laughs> And then it also helps when there are a number of um, resonances between um, Bob's story and John Bunyan's influential spirit tale, The Pilgrim's Progress. Oh, whatever. Oh, Pilgrim's Progress. Okay. Yeah. I've heard of that. And then the eight, there's an atheist allegory, which oh. is kind of that God is the wizard, a.k.a. not real, just a moral behind the curtain. <sighs> And I mean, like that. And goes, then the church is behind. Yeah. Me. So it's like, okay, very, okay. yeah. And then all, all the spiritual mumbo jumbo is um, illusionary. Okay. The and then that this theory better corresponds with the book where Oz is more about a duplicity and illusion than it is in the movie. Yeah. So, and then in wow. fact, the early books publishing career Christian fundamentalist tried to get it banned for suggesting that humanity's gifts come from within and we're not God given oh because yes that is a big point in the movie if you guys do not know is that like the scarecrow the lion and the tin man go to Oz to receive the gifts Mm -hmm. that they are missing and then once he gets once you go and get them there are these material objects that don't really mean anything yeah because the scarecrow gets a diploma the Mm -hmm. tin man gets like a heart that's like stuffed with like straw and then the cowardly lion. Or it's like a clock, right? Yeah, it's like a clock. It differs. It differs between the book and the movie. Oh, okay, okay. So the book he gets all those, and then, yeah, and then the movie, yeah, he gets like the clock with the heart, and then the cowardly lion gets a medal in the movie, and then a shot of whiskey in the book. Okay. <laughs> because I guess like you know, alcohol defenses down makes you braver. Oh, what? liquid courage. Liquid okay. Courage. Okay. Yeah. 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 But then the characters realize, oh, like. And it's funny because another um, re- um, article I was reading was like, it's you can see along the movie that they already have these gifts that they're asking for. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah they are each given a chance to kind of prove that they had it in them all along. Right. Like, like the Tin Man is the heart of the group because he's always yeah. like careful and like conscious and like trying to like make sure everyone's good. Mm-hmm. This Gurkha comes up with like the plans and stuff. And then the lion, when it comes down to it, he yeah. attacks. So it's like, yeah, it's like they're very much down. Um, then there's even a feminist allegory. Oh, Ooh. by the way, I'm getting all of these allegories from Vulture.com. I feel like <gasps> I should give them a shout out. I love because Vulture. They, are, they did a good job of laying this out for we me. We should because I think I've probably used Vulture too yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah, they're super great. Yeah. And I am, not only do I agree with most of the stuff that is right, it just sounds well-researched and very yeah. smart. <laughs> also, um, you can come up, I mean, it sounds like you can just come up with an allegory 
That, yourself. Yeah, that's like, what I was going to ask our viewers. I mean, our viewers, our <laughs> listeners, is that we could, anyone can come up with their own allegory. Yeah. It, it, that's what it sounds like. It's very much like the yellow brick road is very much a, represent, a representation of the journey. Mm-hmm. Anyone's journey, you know, the life itself. The yellow brick road, Donald Trump's hair. Donald Trump's hair, okay. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> that's all I got. No, but, but yeah, that'd be really cool for people to come up with new ones. Mm-hmm. And that might be why the movie does have staying power. Because, yeah. you know, it's it's a traditional story that the message will never be outdated. Exactly. Um, the, this, the feminist one was probably one of my favorite ones yeah. to read. Yeah, it says that, it says, consider that the people who have real power in this movie, which we have, I've talked about before, mm-hmm. um, is Dorothy and the Witches. That's like, true. And it's fine. Like, a lot of people made this point that the wizard has no real power. And that's no. what confused me as a kid. I was like, wait, if there are witches that actually have magic, why is this wizard in control? Well, the wizard is also just a bumbling fool. You but, went. okay, but that goes to, like, I think about that a lot, where you can have a political person in power that no one likes or seems to follow, yet somehow we follow them, and then you have all these women that are, like, being smart. And it's kind of like, even in high school, you have, like, the popular girls in school, or, like, popular people, I shouldn't say girls, popular girls and boys in school that, like, no one actually likes. Yeah. But why are they popular? Why do we let them be popular? Exactly. Popularity is very much the power that you give others. And yeah. And it's like, these people would be popular, but, like, it's just because you know random shit about them. Yeah. What do they actually do? Right, what do they do? What do no. they do to earn this popularity? Yeah. <laughs> That's like a lot of celebrities, too. There are a lot of celebrities, and people are like, oh, I don't like them. But yet, somehow, you are fascinated by them, and you give them that power. Yeah. Yeah, and then this one continues to be like, yeah, lions without courage. Like, the lion and the tin man and the scarecrow just represent men. No brains, no hearts, no courage. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so that, was, that one was very funny. And then there was this weird one I've never heard about before, the Jungian thing. Jungian? How like you... Carl Jung? It's like J-U-N. J-U-N-G? I-A-N. I-A-N. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is that? Um, Carl Jung was a psych. Oh God, now I don't know. Was he a psychiatrist? Yes. You're, yeah. Yeah. Because it's um. Oh my God, I gotta look it up. Hang on. Because... Yeah, because it says that the these various figures describe psychoanalytic. Oh my gosh, why can't I talk at all? Talk today. Yeah, psychoanalytic theories of C.J. Jung. Young. 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 I think that's Stokowski. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how any of these are pronounced. Um, but yeah, he, he came up with a lot of like ideas of the self. Yeah. I think so. Which, yeah, I mean, and I think that's also what like the Wizard of Oz still says because it's like a coming of age film at yeah. the same time. There's just so many layers that are packed into this film. Yeah. And I feel like once, and that's why like, yeah, if you see it at like a young age, you can kind of like latch on to that mm-hmm. theme and then as you get older you yeah. see it's kind of like more. the Lord of the Rings like you can view it as just a really simple like hero's journey story or you can view it with I think it's like an allegory for World War II or something like insane where there's like all these different layers to it yeah well the last theory I will leave you all with is the Glinda conspiracy theory <gasps> yes. that um, you, that she's the villain because oh. she has Dorothy do all of her, like, all of her dirty work to go kill the witch. Yeah, she does. Because, you know, the silver, she knew that the silver slippers would take her home. She had it all along, why she? Had she? Them all, <gasps> yeah. She was like, well, this girl's here. I guess I can have her do everything that I don't feel like doing. Yeah. Oh, I see it. And then, I mean, yeah. And then, you never know, like, there is, I think it's, it's oh. And then, like, in Oz the Great and the Powerful they like do a nod to that because they're like oh just because glinda introduces herself as like the nice witch <laughs> yeah you know what if you have to introduce yourself as the nice one you probably aren't actually the mm-hmm. nice one yeah it's like those people that are like i'm really smart and i'm like mm-hmm. i'm sure you are <laughs> yeah okay yeah Debatable. yeah um but yeah this also this movie um, was incredible with just the sound. Um, mm. It made a lot of feats with its music and its mm-hmm. background music. It won Best Original Song Good. for Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Which almost didn't make it in. Really? It was on the cutting room floor for a while. 
That's so sad. And I forget who told them to put it back, but they thought they like they thought they were gonna lose their audience and it was gonna be boring. And then I, somebody was I have to look it up because somebody was like, no, you have to make your audience sympathize with Dorothy. Yeah, because this song is one it foreshadows like the plot of the film. And it gives us, yeah, where is Dorothy? It gives us Dorothy's head. It's like, where is the scroll right now? Yeah. Yeah, without this, you would, yeah. Wait, let's see, because they felt it slowed down the film. Was it told to put it back in? Oh, yeah, so it was one of the associate producers, Arthur Freed, who told Louis B. Mayer, who was the head of the film, um, he said, the song stays or I go. To which Mayer replied, let the boys have the damn song. Put it back in the picture. It can't hurt. Because they thought it slowed down the, the movie. Well, it's the beginning of the movie. Right, You're allowed like, to be slow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, it was funny. Someone had mentioned that, like, the cyclone was even symbolic. Like, the tornado. Oh. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, it, yeah, I feel like stretching. I've heard something, too, about, like, her being in Kansas and, like being in the middle of America or something. I don't know. I was like, y'all are too much. I feel like once you've hit all of the points that you've hit, then anything else is just extra. Yeah, it's supposed to represent um, the free silver movement or the political upheaval. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it's like, okay, cool. (laughs) I guess, I mean, I guess maybe some of the average Americans were swept away in the political movement of I don't know the time yeah it definitely um, uproots a lot of things there you go yeah um and then I mean it's really funny too there's um we didn't even talk about the munchkins yet no the munchkins are supposed to represent like people in the east and like some more of like industrial workers and the child like the lollipop gang is supposed to represent the child union labor oh my gosh and like stuff like that the lollipop gang represents something yes wow <laughs> what a fun. I know there's also have you heard about like the hotel in downtown Clover, Culver yeah so no. like a lot of the actors for the munchkins stayed in this like hotel mm-hmm. in downtown Culver and shenanigans ensued I've heard about the shenanigans <laughs> yes <laughs> so if you guys are over in LA and you're big Wizard of Oz fans it's one of the stops on your trip yeah you can go there and there's a lot of um fed- infidelities that happened in that yeah. hotel yeah they had munchkins. some fun <laughs> well also because they weren't paid and I don't know if they were very well fed I think they were just kind of given alcohol Oh my gosh. Yeah, they was there was nothing protecting their their rights on the set. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, I remember like the one of the first times I like, watched this movie, the, the when the Wicked Witch pops up in the Munchkin Town mm-hmm. for the first time. That scene scared me to death. In the ride or in the movie? In the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would she go under freaky. the coffee table every time Aww, that came on because I got so scared. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> But yeah, now I like yeah. love it. I'm like, ah, iconic. Yeah. I was like, love her. Especially yeah. in the ride, I like oh, I say know. the monologue with her. Oh, you're one of those people. Yes, I am. And I'm not ashamed of it. Oh my gosh. That's your community theater. Yeah. There Who needs community track. theater? Why didn't I tell that guy? Mistake. <laughs> you should have just launched into her like monologue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but is there, like, what's your favorite part of The Wizard of Oz? My favorite part is when she opens the door to Oz and it goes from black and white to color. Yeah. And I knew something cool about that and now I can't remember. And I think it was that it was filmed in color and then they took... Oh, that's what it was. The whole thing is filmed in color. And the black and white part, like the sepia part, I don't think is actually black and white. It's all painted to look sepia. And that's not actually um, Judy Garland. It's her like stand-in who we see from behind, and then she opens the door, and then they do a camera move, and then Judy Garland steps into frame in color. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And that's how they... I forgot where I learned that, but... Because I've, I've loved that part, and I always thought that it was just, like, I don't know, something they did in post. Um, because it's so easy to do in post now, that's how they would do it. Mm-hmm. But back in 1939, I guess it was easier to do it that way. That's and insane. it makes it way more entertaining so that I don't know that's my favorite part because I just feel like it's so magical and so cool and uses the medium of film in a really interesting way yes I I, yeah I feel like my favorite part is is when Glinda comes in because you know I do I do love Glinda she's a bad bitch she's a bad bitch (laughs) (laughs) you knew 
hanging out with you too long. <laughs> yeah, like that one, and yeah. then um, yeah, like some, I love Summer Over the Rainbow. It's just like such a good performance. I know it's so good. She's this movie should have won the Oscar. It didn't I mean, win for it was best up against like Gone with the Wind, right? That year, mm-hmm. and some other things that are like big, yeah, big historical movies. Well, yeah. that's three clicks of my heels. <laughs> that's all I got. That's all you got? That's all I got for our little Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. Is you a good witch? Or is you a bad bitch? <laughs> I'm, I'm a bad bitch. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's in Todd Rick's song. Right? Yeah, Did it's you like, say is that? you a good witch? Or, or you a bad, bad bitch? bitch. <laughs> I'm a bad, bad bitch. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, well, unfortunately now, this yeah. is the end of our great movie. We have clicked our heels series. to the end of the podcast. We have gone through the depths of the jungles. Yeah. We have gone to space. We have. We've been through the war a few times. <laughs> In a couple different <laughs> A couple ones. different times. We met some gangsters. And I'm just glad that you guys were on this journey with us. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you found it somewhat entertaining or, you know, got something out of it. Hope you learned some fun things and came into use for tri- your trivia nights. Yes. Yeah. That's all we really <laughs> want. We just want you to win trivia. Um, um, yeah. And we're going to, I mean, we're going to take a break now that we've reached the end. You know, we kind of started this podcast not knowing what we were doing. Or how much time it takes. <laughs> yeah, or how hard it is to do a podcast. Um, and then, I mean, we've changed our format so many times, like three times now in the course of this podcast um, before landing on this series. And we have some ideas for the future, um, but we are going to take a break to focus on some other projects um, and to catch up on some sleep. Yeah. Um, we'll still try to be active though on social media yeah. kind of like still dropping some new hints and fun yeah. things that we learn about these movies um, but may I make sure if you haven't checked out all the episodes that you do that mm-hmm. um, leave those fun reviews if you can yeah. and yeah reviews are always um, always welcome because you know I think we we do plan on picking this up in the future mm-hmm. um, and being more polished with it we're gonna go into it with more of a focused plan now that we've learned so much. Yeah. So, um, until then. Yeah. Go see some movies. Go watch some TV. There's so much out there. Yeah. yeah. And, well, we'll see you guys back. Have fun watching things. Bye. <laughs> Bye.